0: Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular, everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone. It's great to be with you once again. And today is going to be the second part of sharing different ways to improve the recovery process. In the last episode, I focused on helping the person who broke the trust, the recovering partner, as I might call them things that they can do to improve their own healing and recovery process and really specifically some of the top things I see people doing that really make a huge difference in their growth. And today I'm going to talk about the betrayed partner and things that I see happening and, and the different partners I've worked with who are healing and growing and doing great work that there are some very common principles I see them living and doing and I'd love to share those with you today. So I'm going to do that here in just a minute. I'd like to tell you about a free course you can download right now called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course was designed to help give you foundational principles and teachings in the early days and weeks of broken trust. It even is good for those of you who may have been working through this process for a lot of years to review and make sure that you are taking care of some of these foundational principles that really make a difference in rebuilding trust. You can click on the link in the show notes and we'll send it to you right away. And this has information for the person who broke the trust, the person who's been betrayed, as well as the couple. It's called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust, and we'd love to send it to you. Click on the link in the show notes, and you can grab it today. So jumping into today's episode, uh, last time we talked about four areas for the person who's recovering from uh, compulsive behaviors, where they've broken trust, crossed lines, been lying, hiding, affairs, things like that. So all the betrayals. And the things that I talked about in the last episode, you can go back and review them for sure, but I'll just review really quickly those four things. That they are patient, that they seek help, that they are increasing their ability to tolerate distress, and that they are committed to taking full responsibility. And I would say long-term forever. It's so interesting, and I don't want to get Too deep into last week's episode because you can go listen to it. But one thing that I just keep reflecting on is the people that I see that are doing really good long term work in restoring trust and really offering healing to their betrayed partner and to their families. They just recognize that this is an integral part of their story and they don't shy away from it. Now they don't necessarily go broadcast it to the world or feel like they need to tell everybody that will listen. They're not afraid to talk about it. They talk about it with accountability. They talk about it with humility. And compassion. They don't talk about it flippantly. They don't make inappropriate jokes about it or humor. They really stay centered in the fact that this was a painful part of their story and they have no problem owning it. Now, it doesn't mean you can't laugh at yourself or recognize the absurdity and, and of certain things that may have been a part of that or, or whatever. But I'm talking at the core, they, there's a, there's a reverence and a respect for the impact that they had on other people and even including themselves. And so that uh, that last one I think is just really really critical taking full responsibility. Okay, so today I'm going to focus on the betrayed partner. Now naturally this is a really sensitive and difficult topic because a betrayed partner is that I all the ones I've worked with over 25 years and it's mostly been women, there's a real there's a real sensitivity to feeling criticized because they already have been in many cases criticized by the person who is betraying them. They've been blamed, they've been obviously, you know, manipulated, lied to. And sometimes they've been blamed by church leaders or by family members or their own kids. And certainly even by themselves, you know, for doing it wrong or for being responsible for it or any number of things. And that can be such a painful thing because when we talk about ways that they can improve their growth or deepen their healing or accelerate things or just improve on their process, it can come with a feeling that they're not doing enough or they're not doing it right. And this can trigger a lot of feelings of inadequacy, which a lot of them already feel. So if you're listening to this and you're a betrayed partner, I want you to know that you get to decide how much of this stuff you take in and apply, or even if you even want to listen to this episode, (laughs) please be real and honest about your own situation and what you can handle. If you're in a place where you're like, you know what, I really could use some additional support and I'd love to know what are some things I can do to improve my own healing process. I'd love to to learn more about that and, you know, just improve things. Great. Keep listening. If you're in a place of discovery or you just are in the throes of some serious trauma and you're having a hard time putting one foot in front of the other right now, this episode it may be helpful in the sense of, okay, these are things to pay attention to. There may be things that could help you in this, but I also want you to recognize that right now your biggest strategy or your biggest priority if you will might just be trying to feed yourself and take care of yourself and take care of those that you're responsible for. And there might be a need to hear and work through some of these things in a much more slower format or space it out. Or maybe you're focusing on something that you're working with a therapist or a sponsor or through a process. And I just want you to recognize that there's a lot of things to pay attention to in this process. And you absolutely don't need more Criticism or judgment from anyone. So, this is not being delivered in the spirit of that. I just want to make sure you have full awareness and choice and accountability to know that you get to direct your own process in whatever way it looks. Okay. So, but I do want to talk about the things that I see that are working really well. And I think it can be helpful and illustrate what a healthy long term recovery can look like for someone who's been betrayed. So, let me jump through them. I've got four as well in this series. And I would love to. Uh, Share them with you and talk about them here. Let's dive in. Number one is the partners that I see doing really great work. They are getting really good at setting clear boundaries and expectations. Now, I know the word boundaries gets talked about a lot. And I also think that the term boundaries is misunderstood quite often and even misapplied in a lot of cases. Let me be clear on a couple of things. I am not talking about you setting boundaries to control your partner, setting boundaries to always get what you want. I'm not talking about that. That's not healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries is you getting a lot of clarity on what you can or cannot do, getting clarity on what your own personal limits are, what you are and are not okay with. And after betrayal, because betrayal is a boundary violation, right? It's a boundary violation of someone crossing over a line that you guys had established together, whether that's everything from infidelity to secrecy. And all kinds of things that, that get, uh, get run over. It requires a lot of resetting of boundaries. It requires a lot of figuring out what you need to do in order to take care of yourself. Because the truth is you can't really depend on your partner, certainly in the early days, a hundred percent to provide all the safety. Now, of course, there's big expectations and a need for them to do everything they can to become a safe person and to live in a way that promotes healing and and can rebuild trust and create a safer context but whether they do that or not you cannot afford to lose your own capacity to sense and respond to things that need to be put in place and put in order in your own life so let me get really concrete and specific with this so this can be things like getting enough sleep let's say that you're you've got a partner who You know, you've been betrayed and they, let's say that they want to talk and and whatever, or they don't want to talk and you feel anxious about needing to talk and wanting to like find things out or whatever. But you're putting your sleep at risk. You're putting yourself in a place where you're not able to take care of yourself physically. One boundary could be that you just decide, regardless of what's going on, I'm going to aim for so many hours of sleep per night. That might be, you know, six to eight or whatever that number is for you. And Regardless of what's going on around you, you are you are recognizing that you have to take responsibility for your own health, your own body, your own well-being. And that's not to punish anyone. That's not to control anyone. That's not to send a message. That's not to avoid anyone. It's just absolutely to do what's necessary to help you function your best. Boundaries are a process. They are something that takes a long time to really learn to do well and there's books written on them. And so I I highly recommend if you don't really feel like you understand it very well, to seek out educational resources, programs, therapy, whatever you need to do to learn uh, how to set healthy boundaries. And if you happen to know somebody who you recognize is pretty well boundaried, ask them, ask them what they do, understand their process. Those can be, you know, those can be great insights and resources uh, from someone who's maybe a further down the road in terms of understanding their own limits. I know for me, just in my own life, I'm still refining and understanding just my own personal boundaries around taking care of myself, around some things I'm really clear on. Some things feel like they're you know, unclear or maybe a moving target or depending on what's going on. So it's a very dynamic living kind of thing. But to live a life where you have no expectations, where you're just boundaryless, needless, wantless, is really setting yourself up for a tremendous amount of pain and ongoing suffering the person who broke the trust whether they have an addiction or other compulsive behaviors or other challenges in their life they're going to have to learn boundaries as well that's part of their own healing process but because things have oftentimes been so unboundaried or there's been lines crossed and you can't really count on someone to look out for your best interest right away this is where you can have the permission and the the clarity to say i have to do this for myself no one else is going to do it for me so that again the, there are as many boundaries as there are people, but some common ones are I think taking care of your health of course, making sure that you have access to resources to help you get the support you need, you know, recognizing what your limits are with staying in conversations or giving yourself permission to open up and talk to someone and just say like, you know, my boundary isn't only what I'm not going to do but also what I'd like to do. So boundaries are something that you can apply in lots of different situations. And people may respond poorly to them. And then you can evaluate if it's something you want to keep or maintain. Dr. Jill Manning has a great way of looking at boundaries. And she says, you know, sometimes it's about adding something. Sometimes it's about taking something away. Sometimes it's about keeping something. And so all of those can be boundaries and it can really help you get your bearings and create order out of chaos. We could do 10 episodes on boundaries. So I'll just say that for now. And if you want to hear more about that, then just stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be more resources and content coming down in the future on boundaries because it's something that I I just think is so important. Okay. So the next one is uh, number two is learning how to rebuild your own self-trust. And of course, we talk about rebuilding trust in the relationship, but before you can ever trust your partner ever again, you have to know that you can trust yourself. And what does that mean exactly? Well, first of all, to trust what you're feeling to trust what you're experiencing. And you may be like, oh man, Jeff, like my feelings are all over the place. I don't trust anything. I, you know, I trusted my partner and I felt this and they were doing that. So that's exactly my point, is that because your trust meter or your own gut or your sense of of what's up and down and left and right all got turned around and scrambled, then you may feel like, oh man, I don't know what to trust. And that's the work that you need to do. And, and how do you do that work? Well, you start off by recognizing that you probably looking back in your story were right about a lot of things or felt a lot of things or sense things. And so some of it is going back and making sense of stuff that you recognize actually lined up with what you learn now is the reality. But even in the present moment, just learning how to trust the fact that I feel hungry right now and I'm going to eat. I feel irritated. And so I'm going to stop this conversation. I feel lonely. And so I'm going to respond to that and call a friend recognize that you're going to feel something, you're going to respond to it, you're going to act on and really give yourself a lot of permission to start rebuilding that trust with yourself is huge. You have instincts, you have feelings, you have thoughts that come up. And so often betrayed partners, especially a lot of women, will talk themselves out of it because they feel like it's going to create problems or somebody's going to disagree or they're somehow in charge of managing all the relationships and they have to keep everybody happy or those kinds of things. And so it's really an opportunity for you to say, as Julie Hanks says, no one's ever died from disappointment. So you can learn how to trust yourself and and respond to that. So this one builds on the previous one about boundaries. As you're rebuilding self-trust, you're starting to act on those, which will look like boundaries. It will look like you doing, not doing, or maintaining certain things. This is very difficult to do because the the self-trust got all turned around. But I want you to start recognizing that you're not as far off as maybe you think you are. And ideally, as you start to get the truth from your partner, if they do a full disclosure or you, you learn more about what's going on, it will start to validate your story. But if you never get that, if you never get to hear from your partner, if you never get the truth, you still can guide and direct your own reality and trust what you feel. And even if something is off, or it doesn't turn out the way you had thought, or maybe you were like, oh, well, I was wrong about that. That's okay. This is all part of calibrating your ability to trust yourself. Number three is owning your own choice and believing that you are not powerless. So, the betrayed partners that I work with that are doing really great work, they are really deeply connected to the fact that they have a choice, that they are not powerless to do anything. And I think of really extreme examples like you know the famous one of course is like Viktor Frankl and the concentration camp where he recognized that he still had the power to choose even though he was in a situation where everything had been taken from him being able to choose and know that you have the ability to think for yourself to choose and to move forward is critical the people that thrive the best know that they always have options that they always have the ability to choose And so this is an opportunity to really push back against the passivity of the temptation of passivity after you've been victimized by someone else's choices. Because what happens is, you know, somebody hurts you. And I'll just use a a metaphor here. You get run over or you get hit by a car. Totally not your fault. You had the right of way or whatever. And so all of a sudden you're on the ground, you're injured. And the choice to heal, the choice to recognize I'm going to follow the instructions of the attending physician. I'm going to, in this you know metaphor, change my bandages. I'm going to do my physical therapy. I'm going to continue to look for ways to grow and heal despite what happened to me. I'm not going to passively lay there and just curse the driver and do nothing. Now, there's absolutely a time for big emotions, for trauma, for getting your bearings. There's absolutely space for all of that. And I'll never take that away from anyone or say that you can't have a very human experience. However, it's very tempting to stay there and believe that somehow somebody else is going to give you your healing. That is absolutely not going to happen. Because even if you were married to somebody who was gonna fall all over themselves to repair every single thing they've ever done wrong, and they were going to be so accountable and compassionate and humble and just do all the work that's required, you still would not have the healing that you deserve and that you need because they can't possibly know what you need. They can't possibly know what was lost or what you need to restore, or what changed for you. So make sure that you don't justify long-term, don't stay in this place of, well, this wasn't my fault, so nothing's required of me. Make sure that you do everything to look at and understand your own reactions, understand your own reflexes and instincts. Look at patterns. Look at things that you might be doing that are unhealthy, that don't serve you, that make things harder on you and those you love. Keep working, keep growing, keep learning, and recognize that regardless of what happens in your long-term relationship, you absolutely can create a healthier you and a healthier life. Now, of course, if you pair that with a partner who's working really hard in recovery and you're working together to try and rebuild your relationship then the outcome's gonna be even better because you're working with a partner, you're working in tandem, you're both joining forces to create something different and shape a different future than what you had. But the good news is, is regardless of what happens, you don't have to wait for anything to happen with your partner for you to start healing. You can own your own recovery, own your choice and start growing immediately, even in the aftermath of trauma, even deciding to show up and start doing therapy, even to show up and read a book, even to show up and just pay attention to what your body needs. All of that is taking charge of your own healing. And the people that I see growing and changing and really making good progress in their betrayal trauma recovery are doing just that. Okay, number four. The last one I've got today is breaking out of isolation. The partners that are healing and doing really good work, they are not doing this alone. It doesn't mean that they've necessarily told all their neighbors or they've even joined a 12-step group. There's something for everyone, but they've opened up their story to someone else, a therapist. They've opened up to a loved one, a a trusted friend, a support group, a therapy group. They've brought other people into their process. They've opened up and allowed someone to witness them in their story. And that is so powerful because it really does decrease the feelings of craziness. It combats isolation. It offers up more ideas and it creates even a mirror to some degree where you can see yourself a little more accurately so you can get good feedback about how you're doing and what you need. And it really just works well for our systems as humans. We need to co-regulate with other people. We need to know other people are there for us. Loneliness and isolation are so punishing to us physically and emotionally and spiritually. And so having that community, having that connection even with just a few people or even one person to start off with can make such a huge difference. So there's a lot to be said about who you should open up to, but there are some really safe places where you can almost be guaranteed that it's going to turn out well. And that's working with a competent, trained professional who understands betrayal and trauma. And then of course, a lot of partner groups, support groups are really helpful. And those are places where people already understand these things and you don't have to start and teach everyone how they're supposed to respond to you or and you don't have to do all the work to try and create that safe environment. So let me review these once more time, just in wrap in conclusion here. The trade partners that are doing really great work, that are really accelerating their healing and deepening their process and thriving, these are the things I see them doing, among other things, but these are some really important ones. They're setting clear boundaries and expectations. They're rebuilding their sense of self-trust They're owning their own choices and they refuse to believe that they're powerless. And then they are also breaking out of isolation and connecting to others. I'd love to hear what you think. Let me know how these land for you. I'd love to hear what else you're working on. That's been really helpful to you. You can shoot me a DM in Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and connect with you and understand what your process is. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, we'd love for you to check out the First Steps to Rebuilding Trust and grab you a copy of that. and then. Uh, We'll be back on with Jody in future episodes, but just wanted to stop in here for a couple of episodes and talk about some of these observations that I've made in my clinical practice over the last 20 plus years. Thanks so much, everyone. Great being with you. See you guys in the next episode.